Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chives alongside Steve. We're doing this podcast episode over Zoom today. We are both back to school, ready to roll, but we got a lot of exciting things going on in the NHL at the halfway point. Steve-O, take it away. Well, Chives, it's good to be here with you today, as always. Not in person with you today, as this is a, this is a little weird. Um, not really doing our first Puck Talk episode, not in person, but listen, I'm excited because we have a good conversation today. I can't wait to get into that. We had a few great, uh, good games this weekend, most notably the Kraken taking down the Panthers, which Florida for both, uh, for both of us was our top riser team last week. And also we might've also had one of the best football games ever with the Chiefs taking down the Bills. So we had an interesting weekend. Like you just mentioned, you're back up at school. How's that been? It's been good. Uh, I cover the Quinnipiac men's and women's hockey team. I called the women's hockey game on Saturday, the first day I moved back up here, and they they lost to Harvard, but they're still top in the polls as of right now. They'll probably drop a little bit, but QU just had a bombshell. Uh, I was just on the socials on our Puck Talk CS Instagram, which everyone should follow, uh, and we, I was interacting with some people on my personal page just because uh, the rankings came out and the Quinnipiac men's hockey team dropped a few ranking spots, even though they lost to Cornell, who's a top 10 team. So some big hubaloo in the college hockey world. But for the NHL, we have some great conversations today. All right, Chaz. Well, let's talk puck. Like I just mentioned, the Kraken have taken down the Florida Panthers. How about that? I don't think anyone saw that coming. We certainly didn't see that coming with the predictions. But Philip Grubauer looked really good in last night's game. This is something that he hasn't, uh, that we haven't seen all season long. But more importantly, I think that this Seattle offense has stepped up. This is also something that has been non-existent all season long up to this point. And recently, the offense uh, for Seattle has kind of woken up here. Uh, They won their last three out of the last four games. And I think that the offense, along with if Grubauer moving forward, can have consistent play here, Chives, I think this is a big factor for them. Well, they can play that spoiler role. You know, Vegas came in as an expansion franchise to uh, a, a team that they, they called themselves the Misfits in 2018. They ended up making the cup final and they, can, they competed against some really well-built rosters in Winnipeg, Nashville. So they competed against some really good teams in the playoffs, the postseason run they had. And it's allowed them to go from a gritty team coached by Gerard Gallant to a team that's all skill based. I mean, they struggled on the power play. You know, they're struggling on the power play, but they went from a team that was fielding uh, Bellamar, players like fourth line grinders, Reeves, to players that like they signed Petrangelo in the offseason. They acquire Jack Eichel so they become more of a star-studded team as opposed to a grinding team that's Seattle's identity right now they're still in that phase where they're they've come into the league they're grinders but they're not in they haven't been blessed with being the top team in their division so I think what they can do now is play spoiler a little bit play with some grit play with some heart and maybe just make some noise as you know in their first season where obviously right now they're far from a playoff position uh but We'll see if they really turn things up. Some teams are on the downtrend, which we'll talk about today, like the Flames and the Oilers. So we'll see if they can rise up. If they put a win streak together and, you know, pull out wins like this against Florida, that, that would be great. I love John Forsling's call on the Grubauer save. Like, that's the excitement <laughs> Seattle needs to get really get the franchise going in that city. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Grubauer uh, Chives is that he needs to have the ability to shrug off a goal at a one that he's just given up and move on to the next save. I think that's really important for him. And honestly, that's what it takes to win in this league. You need to move on to the next save because that's uh, that's what's going to win you hockey games. And last night, Grubauer has done that. Uh, I also on. think he was, he was. Uh, Seattle also did a good job of managing the puck. That's a big reason why they ended up on the right side of the scoreboard uh, last night, especially when you play such an explosive team uh, like Florida Chives. Again, last week, me and you had them as our top risers, our riser teams in the rankings. So listen, when you play run and gun with them, that's when you're bound to lose the game. So again, all around, good play for Seattle. Great game. Yeah, great defense at the end there. They really, Grubauer stood tall. The team stood tall. Shook that off. And we're going to continue talking about goaltenders here. Vancouver Canucks call up emergency backup goalie Ryan Toth. He was called into action as the backup to fourth string goaltender Mike DiPietro in last night's game, who he was a highly toted prospect when he was selected uh, by Vancouver a few years back. And he was behind Thatcher Demko. So they thought they figured they would have the Demko DiPietro tandem, you know, going into their future, even though starter Markstrom. Former starter Jacob Markstrom has, I believe he has 11 shutouts this season. Now the Flames are struggling currently, but they moved on from a starting goaltender that really took off in Calgary. And they still have two pretty solid goaltenders in the, they have a a pretty nice depth chart of goaltending prospects, but they have, we're forced to call up an emergency backup goalie. Now we've seen this before and uh, it's definitely something that always brings noise to the NHL. It's such a rare uh, element in the sport because in other, you know, you rarely see in the NFL, you're not seeing like a high school player get called up to the NFL. I guess that's the only comparison I have. Or like, yeah, like a, a backup quarterback player get called up to the NFL. It just doesn't happen. Whereas in hockey, they can dig deep like that. I'm sure, I'm sure in the soccer world, it's such a big and global sport. Maybe in baseball, it's happened where a really young player from an independent league has been called up. But that's what makes the hockey so interesting is when we saw David Ayers you know, he's just a normal, you know, man working a job uh, during the day. And at night, this is kind of like his side thing where it's like really cool to be a part of the team. But at the same time, he's just a it's like a man from the street playing in the NHL. So I think that's what makes it so interesting and why it garners so much attention. Yeah, I think this brings like so much excitement to the sport. And uh, the David Ayer story was such an amazing story. Like it was covered everywhere and cro- uh, across all platforms. Um so I really think that, you know, it's nice for the sport, you know, to, to see such a, uh, to call it, you know, a Cinderella story like that, you know, come up here and there once in a while. Now, but to put this in perspective, you know, the Canucks have themselves in a really interesting position, Chives. Uh, we did a whole episode, you know, episode two, to be specific on this. They made a whole turnaround this season and have been, you know, one of the best teams in the league during that turnaround. But you know, all of that is up and lingering in the air now because, you know, when you don't have a goalie, it that makes it, you know, 10 times harder. Demko, Halak, Spencer Martin, all on the COVID-19 protocol. And this really has been a nightmare of a situation for the Canucks. Yeah, the Canucks finally turned things around. And you're as, you know, I mentioned in episode one that some teams are as good as the net out. So we saw when Markstrom was really having his successful run to start this season for the Calgary Flames, former Vancouver Canuck goaltender starter. Uh, he had some great play in the playoffs in the bubble. 
all that play started from the net out. And even when Demko came in, he put up back-to-back 40 save games in the bubble uh, against Vegas when he was called in. And he was the backup at the time. He made 240 save outings, and that's what kept them in the series. So during the regular season, you you need those stretches where your goaltender can really pull through and kind of carry the team at times where the team's struggling a little bit. And they played a pretty well-balanced opponent who I want to touch upon later in today's episode. We haven't had an opportunity to talk much about St. Louis. So I think, you know what, while we're on that topic, we should start talking about our main discussion for today, which Steve and I are going to talk about the best surprises halfway through the season and the teams that have really bummed out compared to where our perspective was from the start of the season. Now, a lot of what I'm talking about is, or what we'll be talking about is in retrospect to, you know, we didn't have the podcast going, so it's really hard to point out what our thoughts were originally, uh, and it seems less credible, but I think we picked teams that we haven't talked about yet, which I really, I'm going to enjoy the conversation because there's two teams on here that I'm very uh, eager to talk about, Steve-O, so go ahead, tell me who are the teams that you think are the, let's start with the downers. I like to get the negative stuff out of the way first. I'd rather end on a pretty good note, so what teams (laughs) have you noticed, Steve, that are the downers of this season. Now we talked a little bit about this earlier and we've talked about some teams that have struggled. So we'll kind of glance over them, but there's other teams that have struggled that I'm sure you noticed. Yes. So um, like you just mentioned, you know, when thinking about this, I wanted to pick teams that we haven't really talked about or teams we mentioned briefly, but really haven't gone into like the depth of why uh, what's happening is happening. So for really a disappointing team this season, I really have to go with the New York Islanders. I mean, when I was thinking this one out, Charles, for the most disappointing team, I really had to. I really had to think this one through because this was an interesting point here. To me, the Seattle Kraken have been very disappointing after uh, Vegas really broke out in their first uh, season in the league. However, uh, I really can't say that the Kraken have been disappointing this season because we've never seen them play before. And I really, the expectations were really mixed coming into the season. And since we've never seen them play off, uh, play uh, in a full NHL season before, I really, I really was going to stay away from them and not really put them in as disappointing. Have their, has their play this season been disappointing? Of course. It's been horrible, but I'm really not going to put them in my disappointing category because we haven't seen them play before. So for me, it's going to be the New York Islanders. This has been a team that we touched upon briefly, briefly, briefly in a couple of the other episodes. Now, I really want to go in deeper into why they've been really disappointing, especially after the last few seasons, you know, they made the playoffs and they, you know, they were up there for, you know, uh, you know, interesting runs and they had a couple of good seasons. So for me, the New York Islanders have been, uh, have had a really, really, really disappointing, you know, start to the season. We'll put it this way. Now, number one, the Islanders have uh, got hit rampant hard from COVID. Much uh, of this disappointing start can come because their lineup has been out, you know, their top dogs haven't been in the lineup, you know, for the first two and a half months of the season. Now also, you know, their schedule, they were the second most to be postponed by the league, which mean, when I mean that is uh, that the team has had the most postponed games in the league aside, they were second in the league aside from the senators. It also didn't help that the Islanders kicked off their season with 13 straight road games, Remember that, Chaz, when the new arena was being constructed. So I also think that didn't help them as well. They had a lot going against them. I do agree. 
You know, I think that's the devil's advocate too, Steve. Uh, they, they had a lot going against them already going into the season. And there's only so much adversity a team can take. We saw, you know, a great comparison is the Raiders this season was, you know, they, they win their first three games. They start playing, uh, they played some tough opponents, start playing some even tougher opponents. John Gruden emails come out and then they win the next game. They beat the Steelers who are a pretty good defensive team. And then they lose Henry Ruggs, their deep threat. And that's when the steam team started losing, you know, the wheels started to fall off. Mm -hmm. They already were facing that 13 game road. Uh, they were on the road for 13 games, which is, that's a lot of adversity to face as an athlete from the health standpoint. Yeah. They had a, so, they played a couple of tough teams too. Yeah. And, and on the road. So we're talking, you know, the time, different time zones, you know, which obviously this, these, they're professional athletes and this is what they're trained to be doing, but the human nature side of it, that that's tough. Plus they come home, they lose the first, they lose three games, the first three games at home and they're playing their, actually putting ahl players on the ice who eat i i saw some players ice average ice times in the ahl weren't even close to 10 minutes as defensemen so i think they struggled with so many they had to face too much adversity uh working against them now you could say any great team will fight through that but this is a team that they lack some star power uh, you know, they, they definitely don't have the star power as the rest of the league, but Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello have built a roster that is a team roster. Every line's grinding, every line's moving the puck, every, mine's, every line has speed, and their goaltending was solid. I mean, they took Tampa, they were one goal away from tying game seven and two goals away from going to a cup final berth. So this is a team that we've seen succeed over the last two seasons, and they hit that tough spot this season. Almost, I don't think it's going to be uh, something they can recover from. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and like you just mentioned, Chives, um, they have had offensive struggles. Now, listen, when you look at the Islanders' main uh, offensive piece, Matt Barzell has really struggled to reach his previous levels of productions. Uh, I mean, his stats for the season represents really, for me at least, uh, a worrying trend ever since, I mean, Chaz, we all remember his explosive rookie campaign. Uh, we cannot forget, you know, he had 85 points in 82 games. I mean, his stats are not correlating and his production is not correlating up to that point in which he had ever since. And listen, it's not for a lack of trying though, because he, this season, he has posted the highest shot attempt rates of his career. So it's not for a lack of trying. It's just, he's not producing. So I really think it's fair to say that Matt Barzell is in the midst of a really bad slump here for the Islanders. And, you know, aside from Barzell, the whole team is in a slump. I mean, and when this team is slumping and you have to play consecutive, consecutive, consecutive road games, I mean, it's really not a good fit to start the season. So, I mean, that's really why they got off to a bad start. And I also think that the team really, you know, aside from the COVID protocols, you know, on the injuries uh, side of things too, you know, they were really, uh, really hit hard. You know, when you look at Ryan Pollock for much of the season, he was sidelined with a, uh, a big foot injury. His absence, his absence has been really a critical loss, especially considering his, his success last season. Um, and I also want to touch upon the point where, you know, we're at this kind of this midpoint way of the season right here. You know, we're doing our midseason breakdowns, you know, these past few episodes and moving forward. You know, the Islanders are not in a good spot here in the midpoint of the season. Now, the NHL season is only going to continue to get tougher as teams figure out 
uh, where they want to be and, and the points and they, they need to hit to drive home in order to be contenders. And, you know, when, when you're a hockey player and you're in this midpoint of the season, you know, you, you know, your bodies and your team injury wise, you know, has wear and tear, you know, as the season progresses. So moving forward, you know, the Islanders, the point I want to cap off here is they have eight forwards that are 30 years or older. So, I mean, the Islanders have a really old roster here, child. It's a win-now mode. Yeah, they're in a win-now mode. But when you have players that are 30 and older, you know, over the course of an 82-game season, you know, this team has a lot of wear and tear. And, and, you know, I'm not sure if this is something that they could capitalize because they're going to have to go on a big streak here. They're going to have to win, you know, more more than five games. They're going to have to win a lot of games against a lot of good teams too. They're going to have to play a lot of games against the the Hurricanes. They're going to have to play a lot of games against the Capitals and the Rangers. They're going to have to beat, you know, top of the uh, uh, top of the tier teams here, and they're going to have to do it with you know older players. You know, when they get uh, you know at this point in their career. You know, they're not going to be uh, that effective as, you know, if they were, you know, 24 or 23 years old. Yeah, I think the advantage, the advantage is uh, only to, you know, kind of shine a, the bleak of hope, that little bright light that you can look to is that they're going to be home a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So we saw the island is crazy in the sense that when they get going at home, it's a crazy atmosphere. So I think they'll have a home field advantage to a degree. We'll see how they continue to play at their new arena, but they'll have a home field advantage. And I also think that their experience can work in their favor with the older players. I would say uh, from the health and speed standpoint, I totally understand that point that you made about older players. Cause I do agree their window is now. Uh, but at the same time, I also think experience will help uh, because listen, they get into the playoffs and I think they can make noise again. I don't know how far they'll go, um, but really a lot of the time you say, you know, you'd make the playoffs, you're in a good spot. Now a team that's out of the playoffs that I wanted to bring into the discussion was the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know how much you've seen of them this season, but 17, four and seven, sixth in the central. Listen, they're in a packed division. So that's the devil's advocate for that. You know, the central division this season has been really, really good. And I know one of the teams you wanted to talk about was in the central as well. So we could go kind of ping pong back and forth between them. Blake Wheeler only has two goals on the season. He scored the other night and he's been healthy. You know, they signed him to a huge contract a few years ago. He's their captain. He's their heart and soul. Two goals. That's just not enough, especially with with the quality and caliber of players he's playing with. Kyle Connor, University of Michigan product, 22 goals a season for Connor. But other than that, they're lacking from depth. Uh, depth is the biggest issue. When we look at some other teams in that division, like the Predators, who are getting a lot of depth scoring, depth has been the biggest issue. I also think Nate Schmidt, traded by Vancouver for a third-round selection in 2022, one goal, 17 assists on a $5 million on-average contract. He had six points in November and 11 in eight games in December. So just not enough for a player that was shipped out of Vegas and then replaced with Alex Petrangelo. I I think the fact that he had Nate Schmidt had a pretty successful career uh, up until that point when he was playing in Vegas and he's replaced with one of the premier defensemen in the game. And now he's kind of become a little bit of a shadow of himself. I don't think that's helped on their blue line and getting production from the blue line. So I don't think it's a surprise to a lot of analysts. I just think I'm a believer in the Jets where I look at this fringe playoff team, or at least a team that was predicted to be, 
and they just confused me. They lost a game to the Coyotes earlier in the season. They dropped some games against weaker opponents. I just think on paper, this roster is too good to be at this level. You know, Kyle Connor is the only player that's really produced up until, you know, that point. Mark Shifley had a slow start, six points in November 11 in eight games in December as well. He struggled. Um, I, I think he had a lot of early season struggles and he's a, he's a player that had a 50 goal season a few years back. So a top premier center in the league struggling. He was a player that was on pace a few seasons back with Connor McDavid uh, for a stretch of time in 2018 when they were succeeding. I don't know if it's because of the, I, I really do think it could be because of their lack of defense and how they've mismanaged uh getting a defensive structure. Uh, they've had a few great players. Their right side a few years ago was Bufflin, Truba, Myers, and they've all become, well, Bufflin retired, and that was an odd situation, but Myers and Truba have become the big boys for the teams they've played, you know, they've gone to in New York and in Vancouver. They've played, they're the big body guys, and I think Winnipeg struggled. Uh, I, I don't think it's a surprise to analysts or anyone else who's been talking about it on the internet. I personally believed in them, and they were a team that I thought, on paper should look better. So that was a team from the West. I think most of the teams I wanted to talk about today were West Coast. Like we talked about Edmonton uh, till we were blue in the face last episode. So I feel like they're <laughs> the obvious choice. So I like that we chose a few different teams for teams that disappointed us. What other teams disappointed you, Steve? Yeah, well, I wanted to um, talk, go back to the Jets real quick. Uh, you know, they just look like a frustrated team. You know, I, I have been following, you know, their last few games and, you know, they... They lost their last four games. They played tough games. They, they lost a tough OT game against the Washington Capitals. They beat, you know, and uh, they lost to a, uh, uh, a Nashville Predator team, which has been playing really good. They, they played a really good game against the Bruins, but unfortunately they lost that game. And they lost uh, in a shootout yesterday against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which also they played a good defensive game. But, you know, I think overall, you know, they're playing well, but they're not playing well enough to win. And they lost, they lost, you know, a, a, a lot of, you know, tough games recently. And it's, it's also going to get really tougher for them because if you look forward, they have to play the Florida Panthers, who, which we mentioned are red hot. They got to play the Canucks. Now the Canucks, given their goalie issues, you know, that my favor in their position and they really need to break out here. And they also, they're going to be playing the teams like the blues, which they won six out of the, out of the last seven games. They're playing red hot. They got to play the predators again. They got to play the wild. They got to play Dallas. So they have a tough schedule coming up. So, I mean, for them, you know, they just have to find ways to win hockey games. They have to start stacking up some wins here. Now, is time running out for them? Not really, because they do have more than half a season's worth of games remaining because they had a lot of games that were postponed. Um, so, I mean, moving forward, we'll see. I think the wild card is the most viable spot for uh, the Winnipeg Jets because that's how the division's packed. And I think the Calgary Flames are the only other team I thought I had an expectation. I mean, in life, I don't set expectations anymore because, you know, anything can happen. We've seen that. We've seen that with the NFL playoffs just this past week with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you know, not being in the championship games. But for the Calgary Flames, I thought they were a team that actually showed us a little bit more promise than they have in the past. But Calgary always seems to just not make it. They just seem to never really 
get to that next level. You know, they won the division a few years back and then got smoked by the Avalanche, who were a wild card team. Granted, Avalanche, very skilled team, but uh, Calgary just never seems to hit that mark for me. Uh, but I, I thought in the beginning of the season, they started to show some promise with Manjapani, Kachuk, Goudreau, all going, Markstrom and Net going. Uh, they had a pretty solid defense. They always have, you know, the last, I would say, decade, they've had a pretty good defense like Minnesota, where they don't have like one or they don't have like a stud, uh, one of those top premier defensemen, but they have a great team uh, game on defense. So I thought Calgary might be a team that could do a little bit more this season. They're falling with their Alberta rivals right now in Edmonton as well down the ranking. So that opens up some room for some teams to hop in. Uh, I know one team you were disappointed in, I didn't have an expectation for, but take it away, Steve. I know you had a team that you wanted to talk about that disappointed you. Yeah, well, I guess uh, not really disappointed me, but kind of like as expected, I would have to go with uh, the Arizona Coyotes. You know, right now they're sitting, they're ranking at the bottom of the central division, which uh, obviously I haven't, I didn't expect them to be, you know, any higher than they were right now. And honestly, looking at this point, you know, obviously I didn't have any, you know, expectations uh, of them being, you know, a playoff contender. I expected them to be at this position. You know, they're really in a tough phase here right now. When you look at it overall, they're in a, they're kind of in a rebuild phase here. So I expected them to be really, you know, sellers at the trade deadline. And as we approach this trade deadline, you know, they're going to be big players, even though they're not in the market to look to acquire pieces, you know, as a bottom feed tier team here in the league, you know, they're going to be really big sellers here at this trade deadline. So they're right where I expected them to be. Yeah, they have two first round selections in the 2022 draft already. I'm sure they'll be trying to build for that. You know, the other disappointments, obviously, I think, Montreal, I think for the teams that are in the bottom of the barrel, like Arizona and Montreal, they just, they're so much worse than I think we could have anticipated. Like, I don't think anyone had an expectation for them to really be very good, but they are very bad, like very, very bad. They've each won a quarter of their games. So their loss totals have quadrupled their win total thus far at the halfway point. That's, they're on a historic record. Like I think, Montreal I believe it's Montreal or Arizona is on track to be the worst team you know since like in this millennia like it from 2000 on so both teams struggling we saw the avalanche set that record in 2016 they're going to smash that because I don't think either of them right now are going to come close to winning over you know I would say even 15 games at this point they are struggling both struggling immensely I don't think anyone could have picked them off uh to be this bad like I think we all knew they were going to struggle a little bit but I think we try and uh, bring bring some positive energy into the conversation, Steve. And I wanted to talk about the Blues. You just brought them up. In 2019, they win the Cup, Game 7, Cinderella story, play Gloria. 2020, they lose in the bubble to a Vancouver team that was kind of oddly built. They went on kind of, I wouldn't say a Cinderella run, but a surprise dark horse run. Vancouver struggled since then, but they beat the Blues. They beat the Cup champs from the year before in the bubble in, uh, in Edmonton. 21, they're torn to shreds by the Avalanche. They get destroyed. I think a lot of questions were, uh, you know, arose in the offseason. But Chaz was always a believer in them, Steve-O. They needed <laughs> a huge offseason, and they needed better results in a tough division. So what do they do? What do they need? They need goal scoring. So who do they go out and acquire? Two players I've always believed in, Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Saad signings. Bingo on the money, as I predicted. I remember thinking, 
you know, those signings, I think that'll bring them right back into contention. And I didn't see a lot of buzz over the internet about it. So that's actually one of the main reasons I wanted to bring Puck Talk back was I was like, I think my voice is valuable in that sense. Mm-hmm. Look where we're at right now. The Blues, top of the division, Brandon Saad, stud, top liner, Buchnevich, 75-point pace, 36 points in 35 games played. Saad was leading the league. This was the big thing, which I cannot believe there were not as many buyers for Saad as I thought. He was on the avalanche for their uh, playoff, you know, I guess run. You know, they lost in the second round but to Vegas, but he was on that roster. He had seven goals in the second round. Nobody beat his goal total. He led the playoffs in goals with seven goals in two rounds of playoff hockey. The first round, they destroyed the Blues, the team he eventually ended up on. And he go, nobody beat that total until the conference final. So he was the league leader in the playoffs for goals until someone broke it in the conference final. I could not believe that nobody picked up the former Chi-Town winger and goal sport, speedy goal scorer. When he was in Chicago, he, he showed us that he had that speed, that he just needed some consistency. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm basking in my preseason predictions. Buchnevich and Sada have brought a life to this team. On top of that, Tarasenko, my favorite goal scorer in the entire NHL, he worked through those shoulder, that sh- riddled sh- shoulder injuries that riddled the last two seasons to the point where he was disappointed he wasn't named captain. There was a lot of rumblings that he was going to be traded out of St. Louis, like big-time trade rumors to the Islanders, to the East. You know, a lot of the uh, Metro divisions were inter- – uh, Metro teams were interested in Tarasenko, but he's at a point-per-game pace, 36 points in 36 games played, 14 goals, 22 assists. He started off on a hot streak against some uh, struggling teams, but his last few games, he's had nine points in five games. So he is on the money. Tarasenko is back goal scoring. It's not just on O'Reilly's shoulders as the top line center. Steve, what do you think of St. Louis? Yeah, I agree with all your main points. I think uh, I think that they are really clicking. Like I mentioned, they won six out of, six out of the last seven games. Uh, I really like their defensive. Uh, I really like their defensive alignment here. Um, they have a couple of good pieces with Justin Falk, uh, Tory Krug. I really think that defensively they've been playing much better, which has allowed themselves, you know, to to overcome some of these differences. Uh, in their flaws that which they've had. And I think that when you take those, uh, their defensive linemen and their better defensive play, uh, it's better. They've gotten a better penalty kill. And also when you're pairing that with that offense, like you just mentioned all those pieces, uh, I think they're, they're playing pretty well. They're doing pretty good. And I like, I like the take that you took uh, and I agree with it, but uh, for my take, you know, I kind of picked a, a team uh, from a different perspective. I don't so know if you have any talking? other. I don't know if you have any other main points you want to wrap up with uh, the Blues. No, Blues are wrapped with the bow on top. They're my. I'm riding them hot. You know, I know. Listen, the Avalanche are that team that if they played my favorite team, like if I'm any fan right now in the Avalanche, like it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Florida fan, and we're playing uh, the Avalanche. Like Florida's hot, man. But my my personal opinion, I think the Avalanche. Like I wouldn't even watch if. The fly, it, you know, the Flyers go on a crazy run and they go to the cup. Pittsburgh goes, you know, I mean, never count Pittsburgh out. They're like Tom Brady in that sense. But yeah. Avalanche are playing my favorite team in the in the conference. They're playing the wild in the conference final. I'm not even turning the TV on. I think the Avalanche are that red hot and good. Um, so, yeah, no, I think St. Louis is the team, though, that I'll pick. I'll say, you know what? St. Louis is the only team right now that I think 
could maybe uh, stop stop the avalanche on that in the Western Conference. But uh, no, they're all wrapped up, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big Predators guy too. I want to touch upon them, but I know we got different teams. We're seeing the NHL from two different perspectives right now. Let me know, Steve-O, who do you got as your, uh, as your top surprise? Listen, as of right now, in this point of the season, this what kind of this is kind of like the puck talk midway half of the season. I think it's really safe to assume that no one had the Anaheim Ducks comfortably occupying third place within this Pacific division. So for me, I know that you had the St. Louis Blues. My most surprising team will be the Anaheim Ducks. Now listen, I I think it, it, this is a really surprise considering at the moment they rank. 30th out of 31 teams last season I think that this has been a a really they've had a nice revival here out there in Anaheim uh they had a you know kind of a late career revival from uh their captain Ryan Getzloff and a really you know a breakout uh, campaign from Troy Terry and really uh, you know notable contributions from fresh face uh fresh face rookies uh you know when you take a look out there you got Sonny Milano you know, Trevor Zegras, you know, I think the Ducks are, you know, they're on the rise with confidence this season. And it's really lasted this whole entire season. You know, I saw that the other night when the Ducks beat, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning and they smacked them. You know, they really had a strong performance in that game and their confidence, especially, you know, from their older players like Ryan Getzloff and some of these new face rookies, you know, I saw that all of them had you know, sky high confidence. And they really took a top tier team like Tampa Bay down. Now, when we take a look at Getzloff, you know, I think he's one of the main reasons, you know, why this team's up there so high at this point in the season. You know, he's one of the only remaining, you know, Ducks players uh, from Anaheim's first and only Stanley Cup. And he's really turning back the clock here, Chives, and within the scoring. I think he's held his own uh, when taking a look at five on five five on five play here, you know, during this time, you know, the ducks collected a majority of the high quality competitive shots and they really put together a lot of high quality scoring chances. I also believe that Ryan Getzloff has rediscovered the foundation of youth here with, you know, kind of transitioning. I love it. (laughs) I really think Chives, this is the main point of why they have been doing so well. I think he's transitioned to, at this point in his career, he's transitioned into more of a different role. You know, he's maybe not the top scoring leader here, but he has transitioned, you know, he's taken on a new responsibility within this team and he has really set a fine example and served as the top leadership for this whole new and young players that the Ducks have and are bringing in i think he's really served that role really well here now next up i think troy terry has been also another big reason you know i have him on my fantasy team he's yeah, really huge exp- fantasy pickup from steve-o he was that guy <laughs> in our fantasy league <laughs> but uh troy terry has had a really explosive start to this season and he's really yeah, i really want to top it off with a nice bow here that he has stayed consistent throughout this main point uh at this point of the season he's currently tied for sixth in the league of goals. And he, he also ranks very high within the, the cumulative uh, expected goal rank, which suggests to me that he's consistently getting into scoring opportunities night in and night out. And he's really, you know, proving into why this offense is so dangerous. As we saw the other night against, I keep bringing up that lightning game to me, that was really, you know, why we need to consider the ducks moving forward you know, as a top team, because they can be so dangerous, you know, this nice presence of veterans 
and this nice mix with rookies and the young guys, you know, I really think this is, you know, a, a step in the right direction for a team like the Ducks. You know, this this offense has really been producing at a high level here. And also they've also had a high efficient power play, you know, to top that off. Now, apart from Troy Terry, apart from Troy Terry really developing himself into a top NHL sniper, you know, I think I mentioned, you know, the rookies, you know, Zegras, Drysdale, they have given the lineup a much needed facelift here. You know, how about the 19-year-old Drysdale? He slid into uh, the Ducks' top four, you know, he's added a dimension to a solid defensive corpse. When you throw him alongside Kevin Shattenkirk and Cam Fowler, I really think that, you know, his development is going to be key at being so young. But when you throw in, uh, uh, you know, when you solidify him within a defensive ranking that is already, you know, pretty good, I think that you you have that backing up uh, a high efficient offense, I think you really can't go wrong. And when you take a look at their goaltending, you know, they really have a dependable goaltender all season long within John Gibson. So, I mean, those are all the reasons why I believe the Ducks, you know, one of my most surprising teams up to this point, Chives. Yeah, the Ducks have been a team that definitely elevated their game to a surprise so many. Uh, I think I didn't want to touch upon them because I feel like they're the one team that the media has really, uh, took to in terms of how they've exceeded expectations and they're in a little bit of a smaller market. So with the Eastern conference, it's definitely been the Rangers in the sense that nobody would, there was a lot of uncertainty when they traded Buchnevich and they fired Jeff Gorton, who made some great draft selections and great trades in his, you know, tenure. But that was like Anaheim in the sense that they lost, you know, Corey Perry was not the 50 goal scorer. He was, he leaves when his contract was over, goes to Dallas, then goes to Montreal, then goes to Tampa makes a few cup final appearances. Ryan gets off struggled, but he's that Mark Messier type leader. He is in your face, nose to the grindstone when they were succeeding. That's how he played. And I think he's bringing that energy to that locker room. I think the young guys look up to a player like that. Plus they bring in Shattenkirk, who's, I wouldn't say revitalized his career, but definitely played turn back the clock a little bit. Like you're saying, I'm a big fan of Jamie Drysdale. I know when the draft was between Drysdale, the Canadian top defenseman and Jake Sanderson, the American top defensive prospect. I was a huge Drysdale supporter. Now, Drysdale is not the best defensively. Uh, analytics suggest that, but I do think Drysdale brings way more of an offensive game than Sanderson does. Sanderson, though, right now, still playing in college, playing for the Olympic team. So we'll see how he develops. Now, he's an Ottawa Senator prospect. Aside from the Ducks, I do agree with you. I, I, I've liked the way the Ducks are trending. And I think, you know, a month ago, it was you know, can this Ducks team sustain the success? And a month before that, we heard, can this Ducks team sustain the success? And when this, they started winning in the beginning of the season and Troy Terry was tearing things up, can the Ducks, can the Ducks uh, sustain the success? Well, guess what? Now it's almost February. So you know what? They are sustaining the success. I'm going to speak as the advocate for the Anaheim Ducks here and for your pick, Steve-O. Even though I didn't even pick them, they're sustaining the success. So believe in them because they're doing it. The other team I wanted to bring up was yes, the sir. Nashville Predators. Big picture-wise, after playoff failure, after failure, post-2018 Cup Final Berth, 2019 President's Trophy winners, they lose to the Jets. Their defensive core, the best one in hockey. Honestly, the best one I've ever seen in my life. Now, I'm, not, I'm pretty young, but uh, I don't think anything competes with Subban, Ekholm, Yossi, and Ellis when they had those as their top four in their prime. The bubble, they lose to the Coyotes. Oh. And then 2021, they showed an uptrend. They take Carolina. 
one of the best teams in the playoffs at uh, last season to six games. It was a rowdy series, you know, in the South, they don't have a lot of COVID protocols. So it was a rowdy environment between Raleigh, North Carolina and Nashville who Nashville, they have some crazy fans when it comes playoff time. Now let's talk about Maddie Duchesne, my guitar playing man. He's got the flow now, but he's got more than just flow off the ice with his hair and his guitar. He's got it on the ice points per game, 38 and 39 games played. Five game-winning goals, three in overtime, eight power play goals, and huge moments. One, a game winner against the Avalanche on the power play just a week and a half ago. He's a beast. He's finally bring turn. You know, talk about turning back the clock. He's not the oldest guy, but he's playing like he did in Colorado, where we saw that speed, goal scoring ability. That's the player you want to see from Duchesne. You know, we even seen Matt Duchesne play like this in four or five seasons. So it's great to see him do that. Other big name that took a lot of heat from his contract. Few years back, Seth Jones traded for Ryan Johansson, one for one from Columbus. He made that All Star game appearance. Seemed like he was that rookie that was going to become that number one center. Well, he didn't. He really didn't. And even when they went on that playoff run, he was kind of like a Riley Smith, where he's more of a two C, but he was playing on a really good line and a really deep team. Well, Ryan Johansson, thirty three points in forty games played. Both players living up to that contract and potential. Who else helping out in Nashville? Well, none other than none other than Roman Yossi. No question about him. 42 points, 13 goals. Soros, 925 save percentage, 22 wins. Rock solid in net. Their depth scoring surprised me. I brought it up before. Luke Cunning, nine goals. Great fantasy pickup, by the way. Pick him up. I got him. He's like, I think, like the 18th ranked center right now. Genot, 13 goals. Are we kidding? He's 21 years old. Where did he come from? He was not a highly toted prospect, but he's plugged perfectly in Nashville, who plays a pretty tough game. Pretty tough guy. And Yakov Trenin, who has 10 goals, I don't think anyone expected Trenin to have 10 goals at the midway point of the season on pace for 20 at this halfway spot. Nashville is the other team, I think, in the Central surprised me the most. Why? I wanted to pick two teams, St. Louis and Nashville, that had a questionable offseason. Questionable teams, teams that were in question. You know, the Blues got their doors blown off by the Avalanche in the playoffs. And Nashville, you know, seemed like they were making that uptrend. But I didn't see a lot of believers in these teams. And I've been a believer in both. So uh, Pack Central Division, those are the teams I'm going with. And I really liked your Anaheim pick for the uptrend. So I definitely like finishing off our conversation today on more positive uh, teams. Steve, you got any thoughts to wrap up the Predators? Yeah, I think uh, the Predators, I agree with all your main points. I think when we take a look at them, they've had a, you know, a really humbling, you know, first half of the season. Uh, you know, they had a couple of really big wins. I remember they beat the, uh, they beat the Golden Knights, they beat the Kings, they beat the Avalanche, they beat the Wild, you know. But then also when you look at it from another perspective, they've had a couple of tough losses too. I, they, they lost a couple games to the Blues, they lost lost uh, a game they lost a bad game to the sabers and they've had a couple games where they've lost to some bad teams they've beaten the good teams but they lost to the bad teams so uh moving forward you know i do think that there are a few areas you know to explore within their lineup uh particularly maybe you know in the forward position uh and maybe you know, uh, this is a consistency thing. They really need players to step up, you know, depth-wise. They need scorers. They need finishers. So we'll see moving forward uh, towards the trade deadline, you know, if they are uh, if they could add a piece or two that really puts them on the same level as teams like the Blues and the Avalanche. You know, it'll be interesting to see as we move forward. Especially with Philip Scoresberg. You know, he's got a beautiful mustache. Man, those <laughs> guys know how to do hair down there in Nashville, but he's his contract's up, and he is – 
a premier goal scorer in the NHL. That's no question. Uh, 10 goals this season, not as many as I think you'd believe if you bring up Phil uh, Forsberg's name in the conversation. You know, he's been in that top 10, top 20 realm for his entire career in Nashville, especially since they've been better, you know, since 2017, 2018, when they started to really pick things up uh, in Nashville, went to that cup final berth, had some success in the seasons before that as well. Um, his contract's up. So like you're saying, trade deadline's going to be big. We'll see what David Poyle uh, pulls together. He's one of the premier general managers in the entire NHL. He's made some huge, uh, he's really good with trades. They've been pretty solid at drafting. Pekka Rene was a late round draft pick and they're putting his name up in the rafters this season. So Nashville's got it going on, Steve-O. I think that's a great spot to wrap this episode up. I think it is, you know. To throw it in, you know, Chives and I, we, we, we covered a lot, you know, for most disappointing team, Chives had the Winnipeg Jets, I had the New York Islanders, and for most surprising teams, Chives went with the St. Louis Blues, as well as the Nashville Predators, and I went with the Anaheim Ducks, you know, also feel free to let us know what you guys think as well. You know, whether that's in the comment section below, or you can even email us at pucktalkcs at gmail.com. And you guys can kind of tell us who you guys think are the most surprising, uh, disappointing and surprising teams, you know, kind of at this midpoint of the season. Let us know. Let us know all your takes on the halfway point of the NHL season. We have a little bit of a nice, you know, there's some games coming up and then there's a nice pause. So we'll definitely be active for that. Steve and I even talked about before the show, uh, trade rumors, you know, the, the trade deadlines on March 21st, we're definitely going to start talking about things like that. And today's episode was a little more of a looking back on what we kind of missed talking about in the first half of the season, we're gearing more of our conversations to be a lot more current with current events. That's why we liked opening the show with what we were talking about with specific games and what went on around the league. So we like doing that. We like to trade rumors. Those are picking up, you know, before the show, we're even talking about how our phone's blowing up because of JT Miller trade rumors, Jacob Chikrin trade rumors, John Klingberg trade rumors are all over the place right now. So it seems like they're going to be moved quite soon. Let us know about all those thoughts. Let us know about the thoughts on this episode. Be sure to follow our Instagram and Twitter pages. Those are linked to our website, pucktalkcs.com, if you're listening on Spotify or on the website as a subscriber. If you're not subscribed, please click the subscribe button. And you'll get an email every time we release an episode on the website, and all you got to do is click the link to get to the website through that email. Download the podcast on Apple and Spotify streaming services. We're kind of new to that. Those are actually seeing an uptrend. We're actually getting uh, more listeners this past week than we did the first you know two weeks that we've been on so we're seeing the uptrend we're getting we're, we're seeing that more people are listening and uh let us know what you think what you like what you don't like your thoughts on the nhl we're definitely going to be more active with our instagram and twitter moving forward steve take it away 100 guys we really do appreciate you know your your support just by checking out and listening to our episodes and in, in uh you know, navigating through our social media sites and, and our daily predictions and going through the website, you know, you guys are su uh, supporting us. So thank you very much. And always remember, it's just the luck of the park. <laughs>